0: Thank you, Evan. Well, good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day to all you lovely ladies who are moms. Happy Mother's Day to those of you watching through live stream, uh, and a, a special Mother's Day uh, to Keith Gonzalez, our worship leader, and his wife, Crystal. Uh, they had their fourth—she had their fourth baby Wednesday or Thursday of this week. So, congratulations to you, Crystal. Um, praying that the Lord would care for you and and we would see you soon up on the platform. Well, um. I'm excited to share this word with you, Um, and um, just a glorious day celebrating motherhood, celebrating the majesty of God, and looking to um, his glory in creation. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving um, my second daughter, uh, Eliza, um, my seven-year-old, we were uh, just, uh, having a time, uh, every now and then I take one of the kids out, just me and them. And, uh, in the back seat of the car, I'm, I'm watching her look out the window and she, um, she, she's got her thinking cap on. I can see the wheels turning and she looks over to me and asks me, daddy, why can't we swim in space? Why can't we swim in space? And, and that's, that's the beauty of kids, right? I mean, they'll ask you things you've never thought of. They'll ask you questions that seemingly come out of nowhere. And so I explained to her, you know, uh, space is not like the ocean or, or like a pool. When you're in the pool, you know, you're displacing water. You're kind of pushing yourself through water. Uh, so that's why you can move through water. But there's actually nothing in space. So, so it's not even appropriate to say that you're floating in space. You're just kind of there. And so her mind continues to, 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 to stir and it says, so how do astronauts move in space? And, and so I, I figured out what she was doing. She had seen something on TV, maybe seen a show, and she's trying to figure out how that worked. And, and I said, well, you know, they have these jet propulsion packs and, and, and there's compressed air that just kind of pushes them anywhere. And, you know, uh, and, and so she, she started asking, so daddy, if I have compressed air, can I move myself through space and space? And, and I, I knew where the conversation was going. And so I'm going to stop it there. I'm going to let you fill in the blank but kids are wonderful kids kids ask questions that that we should be asking ourselves when you look up to the heavens when you look up to space what do you see i've I've always enjoyed i've always appreciated i've always liked looking up at the sky at night I've always appreciated the stars and, and, and just looking up and, and into, into the beyond and wondering. And just standing there and absorbing that which is so distant but so obviously there. So what do you see when you look up at the skies? Well, the passage we're looking at this morning is a reflection on precisely that. So open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. We're going to begin in Psalm 19 and then... Um, We're actually going to jump all over the Bible, but this will be kind of our platform into some thoughts uh, on majesty, God's majesty, and motherhood this morning. Let's read this together, and then we will pray. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Let's pray together. Father, the heavens declare your glory. Lord, And this morning you have ordained that in some way that would be my responsibility today, Father. Would you speak, O Lord, and would ears and hearts receive what you have in store for us this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at this passage. Let's see what the Lord has in store for us. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So when you look up to the sky, you should hear something. You should see something. There is information being disseminated to you. Something is coming from the heavens and the skies that you ought to be paying attention to. Because they are making a declaration and they are proclaiming something. The heavens speak. They say something. This psalm wonderfully uses that metaphor of agency. It's as if the heavens is a person and they're saying something. They want to let you know. They want to let you in on a secret. They've got something on their menu they want you to look at. And what do they say? Well, they say two things. They declare the glory of God and they proclaim his handiwork. Now, the heavens in this passage simply refers to to the universe, to the cosmos, to to everything that you see when you look up. And everything that you can't see when you look up. But but this points to God's design of the universe. There is purpose and intentionality to what God has made. There is no random act of creation. Every molecule serves a purpose. And this passage teaches us that the universe serves the purpose of a sign. The sky is up there. The heavens are up there as a type of sign. They point us to our creator and they teach us something about him. When God said to create the universe and everything that was in it, he gave every aspect of creation a job description. And when he called the heavens and the skies to his office, he handed them the job description and he told them, hey, listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to describe me and you're going to bear witness that I made you. That's what this passage says. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And look at verse 2. Day to day... Night to night. This declaration. This, this testifying. This, this um, proclamation is continual. It wasn't a one time thing. And done. It's a repetitive continual process. Every morning the heavens declare the glory of God. Every night the heavens proclaim his handiwork. When you look up to the heavens. You are meant to receive basic information. That there is a God and that he is something like, very powerful, very great, very grand, very majestic to be able to create that which you see. And more than any other aspect of creation, the heavens and the sky, they communicate God's transcendence, God's otherness, God's superiority, God's majesty. Psalm 147 helps us here where he says... The psalmist says, he determines, speaking of God, he determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their name. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. I'm one of three boys and and growing up. You know, one of three boys, all three of us are getting in trouble. And my mom would stumble upon our names to, to discipline whatever boy had done something wrong. Maybe if you're a mom here, you, you, you've done that. So she'd go, Douglas, Alejandro, Ronald, or no, Ronald, Alejandro, Douglas. She'd stumble. She, she'd forget our names, right? That's three names. I, I've noticed that about myself as well. When I, I want to get one of my daughter's uh, attention, I'll say, Olivia, no, I'll, I'll, which one are you again? I'll just kind of have a moment that I'll forget. I'll forget one of three names Psalm 147 says that the Lord knows the names of the star in the sky God has created billions and trillions of stars in the sky and he knows their name and he remembers their name and he will never forget their name Isaiah 40 helps us with this even more Isaiah 40 verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. And marked off the heavens with a span. And closed the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains in scales. And the hills in a balance. Jump down to verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. I grew up sharing a room with my brother and I slept on a twin mattress till I was about 17 years old. When I got married, I I, I got an upgrade. So the twin mattress went to a, a, um, a queen size bed. And uh, to this day, when it's laundry day and we get the, the fitted sheets out of the dryer, I, I can't stretch those things out on the mattress by myself. Like, I need help. I'll get one corner and then I'll put the other corner in. And when I'm going to that third corner and you start stretching out, what happens? The other corner kind of pulls back and you're like, oh, man. And then you go back to that corner. And it's like a 10-minute process to stretch out fitted sheets. Right? Am I the only one this happens to? Read this passage again. It is he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. God is so magnificent, so beyond comprehension that he has the ability to use the heavens as a blanket, as a curtain, as something to stretch out. As something that he has total control over and is above. Are are you getting an idea of a really big God? Are, are, Are you getting an idea of what this psalm is helping us understand about who God is? Verse 26 in Isaiah says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Humankind has, has a lot to boast about, honestly. There's been developments in science and technology and medicine over the past 10 years that have been remarkable. I don't know if you, if you guys knew this, but um, earlier in the year, um, we, put a, uh, uh, we landed in, on Mars, um, or actually last year, so we sent a rocket, an explorer to Mars, the planet, landed. And if you Google pictures of Mars, you can find a whole bunch of really cool pictures and videos of the planet Mars. I don't know if you, if, if you knew this. So technology has gotten to the point where we can send an RV truck all the way to Mars, take a, a selfie of Mars. Somehow that selfie makes it back to uh, Earth within days or something. And we can post it on Facebook and, and go, well, oh, look how cool that is. That's thats Pretty significant. Or take the recent events of, of COVID nineteen, where in the process of just a few months, humankind collected itself, its resources, its knowledge, its ability, and produced a number of vaccines, and distri- just on the logistical nature, distributed millions upon millions of vaccines worldwide. That's that's something pretty cool. That's like, oh look, we're 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 pretty cool. NASA estimates that there's a hundred billion stars. Per galaxy and, and they also estimate that there's several hundred uh, uh, several hundred billion to two trillion galaxies so there's there's a hundred billion stars per galaxy, and there's let's say two trillion galaxies out there. You do the math there's a lot of stars out there. Why did God create all these? You ever thought about that? Why did God create so many stars? Why did he create so many galaxies? What's the point to all of this? Well, he didn't do it because he was bored. He did it because he is merciful. God in his mercy desires his creatures to know what he is like. He wants us to get some idea of who he is so that we would properly orient who we are to him. And so how does he go about communicating that? Well, maybe if there's a being out there who could make millions upon trillions of stars and know them by name. That being has revealed something about himself, hasn't he? And this is what this passage tells us in Isaiah. God himself says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. So God wants us to know something about him. And he's given that responsibility to the heavens he has created. Charles Spurgeon helps with with just a really good thought about this. He says, the heavens declare or are declaring every moment God's existence, power, wisdom, and goodness. "...are being sounded abroad by the heavenly heralds which shine upon from above. He who would guess at divine sublimity should gaze upward into the starry vault. He who would imagine infinity must peer into the boundless expanse. He who desires to see divine wisdom should consider the balancing of the orbs. He who would know divine fidelity must mark the regularity of the planetary motions." And he who would attain some conceptions of divine power, greatness, and majesty must estimate the forces of attraction, the magnitude of the fixed stars, and the brightness of the whole celestial train. It is not merely glory that the heavens declare, but the glory of God. For they deliver to us such unanswerable arguments for a conscience, intelligent, planning, controlling, and presiding creator That no unprejudiced person can remain unconvinced by them. I I love that language of heavenly heralds. So if you want to know how powerful God is. If you have questions about what is God like? How wise is God? How magnificent is God? How creative is God? Just how brilliant is God? Just really what does omnipotence look like? Like I may not be able to spell the word, but what does it look like? How powerful is God? How incomprehensible and incomparable is God? Look up. Look to the sky. Look to the stars. And verse 3 is interesting. Back to Psalm chapter 19. Verse 3 is interesting because it says something unique. It says something I, I struggled to understand for a long time. Verse 3 says, there is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Now, what does that mean? That sounds like a riddle. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. What does that mean? It means simply this. That the heavens are speaking with a language not meant for the ears. The heavens are speaking a language meant to be understood, not with your ears, but with your heart. When you look up into the heavens, you are meant to be stricken with awe, amazement, wonder, reverence. You are meant to see the grandness of God and the littleness of man. There's supposed to be this connection with the otherness, with the transcendence of God. You are supposed to respond in, 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 in emotionally and be engaged with, wow. Wow. And that that should lead you to worship, to fear, to be drawn to him. In a sense, you are supposed to be undone by what your eyes see. This is what that verse means. Now, the heavens declare the glory of God. That much we've seen and is pretty clear. But but they don't say everything about his glory. Nor do they say everything about God himself. In that same psalm, in Psalm 19, verse 7, we read this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So God reveals something about himself through creation, specifically through the skies. But then he reveals other things about himself More details about himself. And ways to himself. Through the law of Lord. It revives the soul. Romans 10 reminds us of this. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So the purpose of looking up at the skies. Or or, uh, uh, I'll say it this way. Looking up at the skies. Is not going to get you saved. But it may begin to point you. In the right direction. Now. This sermon is titled, Majesty, Motherhood, and the Glory of God. We've talked about space, stars, planets, NASA, uh, and God's glory. Where on earth does motherhood fit in? Um, As I prepare this week, um, as I spend some time in prayer, the Lord gave me two words. just, Just two words. Honor, motherhood. And that was it. Honor, motherhood. So my aim for the rest of this sermon and the time that we would have remaining is to do just that. To give honor to the Lord by honoring another element of his creation. And that is motherhood. And we will do this by showing that looking at motherhood in the same way that looking at the heavens tells us something about God. That the heavens speak and declare certain things about God. Because God has ordained it to be. Motherhood, another element of his creation, does the same. It speaks things about God. It helps disclose and reveal ideas about God. We come to understand God more fully, more clearly when we see aspects of him in creation. Now, creation is not God. We're not pantheists. But God has fashioned things in such a way that he has, he testifies to himself by the work of his hands. The only other thing I'll say is I can't say everything about motherhood, nor can I speak to every circumstance related to motherhood. I just hope that that in honoring God, giving glory to him by receiving the gift of motherhood and and dignifying it by honoring you moms. Those of you who are moms have desire to be moms or maybe don't associate good things with motherhood would be blessed and encouraged nonetheless. So let's look at motherhood now. We've looked at majesty. Now let's look at motherhood. In the same way that God has designed the heavens to be a sign, I believe God has designed motherhood also as a type of sign that points to its creator and it teaches us something about him. Now, to make my point, I'm going to go to a really, really smart dude that we all respect. John Calvin, theologian of the uh, Protestant Reformation, wrote, Because God desires that the chief end of the blessed life should be to know his name, he reveals himself clearly to everyone so that he should not seem to want to deny some men entry into happiness. For although in his nature he is incomprehensible and hidden from human understanding, he has impressed on each of his works certain signs of his majesty. By which he makes himself known to us according to our small capacity. And that's the mercy of it all. We, we don't need, we, we, I don't know that we could use or invent language enough to understand how big God is. But you know what we can do and what helps us understand how big God is? Looking up. And so similarly, in his mercy, God attaches an aspect of his glory to motherhood. Calvin continues, whichever way we turn our eyes, there is no part of the world, however small, in which at least some spark of God's glory does not shine. So honoring motherhood as part of God's creation brings glory to God. I think this is one of the key lessons of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 teaches us that God made everything. And not only did God create everything that exists, but he labeled everything that exists. He qualified everything that exists. He spoke to his creation and he called it good. Everything he made, he said, that is good. That is good. That is good. And he made motherhood. And so if we are to honor God or we honor God rather, when we agree with him that what he declares to be good is good. When we align ourselves with his assessment of creation, we bring glory to him. Let's look at some of the ways motherhood does this. Motherhood is a unique aspect of creation. There are peculiar glories attached to motherhood. There are unique and specific things that God has delighted to do in motherhood that communicate things to us that are absolutely beautiful. And two of those peculiar glories are life and love. When you look at, when you look at motherhood, when you understand motherhood biblically, You come to conclusions about the origin and the meaning of life and the nature of love. Motherhood helps clarify those ideas to us, and we are all the better for it. So let's go back to Genesis. The first peculiar glory is life. Our earthly life giver, that is our moms, point us to the author of life. Our earthly life givers. We were all born of a mom. We all come from a mom. There's not a person sitting here or watching on live stream that was not born of a mom. You all have a mom. That act points us to the author of life. So we're, we're, we're going to take two passages, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, and collide them together and see what happens. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Now listen carefully. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God made us in his image. That's what Genesis tells us. The Trinity conferred among itself and said, let us make man in our image. God makes us in His image and immediately commands Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. God creates life and tells that life, create life. God creates two living beings that bear His image and tells them, go multiply and fill the earth. And John tells us, that in the beginning, Jesus was part of this. That Jesus cooperated in this event. That Jesus was the chief creator with the Father and the Spirit, creating everything with God. And in Jesus was life. So, do, do you do you see some of the connections here? There's two. The first is that the creator, the source of all life, was pleased to give his creatures the ability to imitate him. Every time a child is born. We ought to hear an echo of creation. Every time a child comes to life. We ought to hear an echo of Genesis chapter 1. As God gave life to Adam and Eve. Every time a woman gives birth. She gives life to a child. That birth should point us to where all life comes from. We ought to be reminded of what God did. In the beginning. Remembering is a valuable thing. If you. Uh, if you have a, a, a Facebook account or a Google Photos account, uh, all types of social media accounts have this thing where they remind you of what happened the year before when they show you a picture or a post that you posted a year before. So today's May 9th. If you logged onto Facebook this morning, shame on you. Uh, but if you did, um, it shows you know, May 9th of 2020, it shows you, hey, this is what you did. And we, we, we look at those remembers and say, oh, that's cool. I remember doing that. Th- there's value in remembering The past. Well, God ordained the instrument of of motherhood as, as precisely serving this function. God, the giver of life, is connected with mothers who give life as well. That's the first connection. The second connection is this. As God sustains all life that he's created... As God sustains all life that he's created, so do mothers sustain the life they've created. Now, don't don't shy away from the language I'm using. When I say moms created life, I'm not saying moms did this independently. But I am saying that God ordained those biological means that life should come through them. We cannot deny that. This is what God has made. and I'm not trying to elevate motherhood. I'm trying to honor motherhood properly so that we would see the glory of God. So don't be afraid of that language. And, and Job 12 verse 10 says, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. In his life is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Have you all ever seen a mother hold a newborn infant? Moms, And do you remember holding your newborn infants? What were you doing? Were you not sustaining that life? Was that life not dependent on you in that moment? Were you not giving life to that creature as God had designed your body to operate? You were sustaining that beautiful creation in a parallel, similar way that God sustains all creation. God designed life to come from mothers and be sustained by mothers. And both of those realities serve as a glorious sign to Christ, who is the author and sustainer of all life. More than any other aspect of creation, motherhood points us most clearly and frequently for our need and dependency of God, the author of life. The heavens declare certain things. The heavens heavens proclaim certain things about God. God assigned that task to them. I believe he's assigned a unique and beautiful and dignified task to you ladies. And that is to point to the author of life as you give life. And it's actually even more beautiful than that. Because God's promise... To redeem mankind by giving them eternal life is intricately woven to motherhood. To something only women can do. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 tells us this. Adam and Eve have rebelled against God. And God begins to lay down judgment, righteous judgment on a rebellious humankind. He talks to Adam. He talks to the serpent. And this is what he tells Eve I will put enmity between you and uh, the serpent, I'm sorry. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The fact of the matter is Eve could have been blamed for the fall. That's what Adam did after all, didn't he? So attached to the idea of mothers, attached to the idea of, of women could have been, you guys, you guys messed, it, messed it all up for everyone. That's what could have happened if God did not intervene. But God intervened and look at what he did. In his mercy, he redeems his daughter. He redeems womankind. He redeems mothers and makes them the vessel through which the savior of the world would come. What one woman did, what one woman did, sent humanity into a state of spiritual separation from God. But only through what a woman can do would come the savior of the world. Is this not how God does things? These these surprising reversals. Rather than condemn, he shows mercy and redeems Jesus did not descend from heaven on a chariot of fire with angels. Last time I read the Bible, that's not how he's presented. For unto us a child is born. A son is given. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And from one woman, from a mother, came the Savior of all mankind. Do you see how beautiful the Lord has made motherhood? Do you see how magnificent in the eyes of God the purpose of motherhood and the meaning of motherhood are? That he's made that the means through which the Savior would come. That was one of the peculiar glories. The second peculiar glory is love. So we, we come to know Life, we we come to be connected and pointed to the author of life and eternal life. As we look at mother's giving life, that constant reminder, but we also know something about love. Motherhood helps us know and experience God's love. When we look at motherhood, we come to understand something that we can't understand about God's love without looking at motherhood. We come to know something about how God loves us that would be hidden from us if we didn't look at motherhood. Now, I don't say this. The scriptures do. Look at Hosea chapter 11. The prophet Hosea is sent to the people of Israel to bring judgment to them, but also to offer words of redemption. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. He says, when Israel was a child... I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Out of all the possible metaphors, word pictures, ideas, reference points that God could use to to communicate to Israel, his chosen people, how much he loves them and to what degree he loves them and what type of love he offers them. This is the infinite God who created the stars. He wants to communicate the nearness, the tenderness, the care, the affection of his love towards his chosen people. What language does he use? He, he uses the language of a parent. Now this text doesn't specifically say mothers. But listen, some of these descriptions are, are what some of you moms are doing. You take children up by their arms. You lead them in cords of kindness. You, you shower them with bands of love. You bend down and fee- I'm, I, I am getting front row seats to this. My youngest just turned one and I see this every single day how my wife does this. More than any other aspect of creation, motherhood communicates God's imminence, his, his nearness, his love, his affection and his care. The majesty of God is declared by the sky and and the heavens. And we see just how big he is. But but his tenderness and his care. that, That parental instinct helps us understand how much God loves us. If the stars and skies are God's heavenly heralds. Moms, you are God's motherly missionaries. You help us understand what God's love looks like, when you love your children selfishly and sacrificially. Earlier, I made reference to, to God speaking to the hearts, not ears. This is how we understand God's glory when we look at the heavens, that they don't speak to us in words, that they, they show forth speech, but we, we understand something through our eyes, into our hearts. This is exactly what's going on here. And to to, to reduce this to a level that I would understand, this is how clear and helpful this is. If a child were to ask you, Mommy, what is God like? Mommy, what what is God like? Here's, Here's how you answer that question Look at the stars. You, you, do you want to know what God is like? Look at the heavens. Let me tell you how big they are. They're bigger than your daddy, they're bigger than this house. If your child asks you, Mom, what is God's love like? What is God's love like, Mommy? Well, look at how mommies love their children. God's love is more than that, we understand. But 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 it's like that. Moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? I, I thought I knew how much God loved me. I thought I knew. I'd read books about God's love, seminary education, talked to really smart people about God's love, listened to sermons about God's love. I thought I knew. And then I had a child. And then I I held this little life in my hands. And I I was dumbfounded. Utterly dumbfounded. By recognizing you have done nothing little creature. (laughs) Nothing. But my heart for you right now is doing things I didn't know it could do. I'm experiencing things for you that I never knew I had in me. Something in my heart has been awakened the moment I became a father. Moms, the moment you became a mother. And at that moment, God's love for me was made clear. I recognize God is pleased to call Himself Father, He loves me like I love my child. I now know something about God's love. Moms, you are precious, precious heralds of God's glory by helping us savor and experience his love. Now, motherhood declares the glory of God, but it doesn't say everything about his glory, nor about him. Just like the heavens, you can't come to saving faith by looking at the love of a mom for her children But motherhood helps declare how God loves us. But not what God has done in love towards us. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. If you're a mom in this room you, you... you feel that verse differently. You understand the type of love. God has for his children. That he would send his own son. To be killed by them. Let me, let me end with. Um, some biblical encouragement to moms. Moms I want you to leave encouraged. This morning. So three. Three basic ideas to help encourage you what you do matters who you are matters and when faced with difficulty there is a God who sees I don't think I put this on your outline what you do matters who you are matters and when faced with difficulties there is a God who sees the ordinary faithfulness of mothers is featured all throughout the scriptures All throughout the scripture, if you're paying attention to the narrative of the Bible, the mundane, day-to-day, messy faithfulness of moms is displayed all throughout scripture. Stories of Moses, of Samuel, of Jesus, and Timothy feature this faithfulness. And it's interesting, not much is known about these women. We don't know a whole lot about Moses' mom. Or Samuel's mom. We know some things about Mary. We have no details about Timothy's mom. We know their names. Moses' mom's name is, I'm gonna try and pronounce this correctly, Johebed. Samuel's mom's name is Hannah. Jesus' name is Mary. Timothy's mom is Eunice. But, but I love the fact that, that they're featured as moms, that they are presented in the narrative as moms. These aren't passive statements that scripture is, 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 is including in there. They're featured as moms. And look at what the Lord did through each one of those moms. The ministry of Jochebed, Moses' mom brought us Moses. It was her shrewdness and faithfulness to her son that protected her son from being killed. And last time I checked, Moses is a big deal in the Bible, isn't he? Or look at Hannah, Samuel's mom. All we know about this mom is she was a mom faithful in prayer. Who prayed, prayed, prayed. The Lord gives her a son. The prophet Samuel. Who winds up being the guy who anoints the great King David. Or Mary. I mean, let's talk about Mary. Jesus' mother. This young girl. Who in her womb carries the savior of mankind. Or Eunice. We don't know anything about Eunice, except that by her faithfulness and through her hands, she was able to disciple the great Timothy, Paul's son in the faith. The one man that the great apostle Paul would look to and say, this is the guy who continue carrying the torch of the gospel. I entrust to him what's been entrusted to me, specifically because there was a woman by the name of Eunice who raised his son in a certain way, who taught him the scriptures in a certain way. You might be thinking, Ronald, I'm nobody. I'm just a regular mom. Well, you're right. You you are nobody, but you're also not. You are somebody. You're you're a mom. And just like those moms, what you do matters. The mundane day-to-day things about your life matter. They are meaningful. They have lasting effect and may be used by the Lord to change the world. You are not insignificant. Your calling to motherhood is not trivial. It is glorious. A couple of applications from that is... um, We need to rethink our thoughts about the pursuit of motherhood and the value we place on motherhood. We, we, We live in a time where motherhood is considered, at best, an inconvenience... And at worst, an impediment to real life. This has been all throughout culture for decades now. Culture's been selling you this bag of goods, ladies, that if you pursue motherhood, if you give yourself over to become a mom, you are losing out on life. You, you are demoting yourself. You are you are escaping from the good things of life into a life of torture and a life of, of whatever. That's what the world would have. You believe that real satisfaction, real joy, real opportunity, real meaning in life comes from everything and anything, but explicitly not from motherhood. Then motherhood gets in the way of what life could be and what life has to offer. And this is not a biblical idea. This is not how God presents motherhood in scriptures. Motherhood What you do in motherhood matters. So if you're a mom and you have been a mom for some time and you've thought to yourself, have I really accomplished anything in life? All I've done is raise kids. Big whoop. You've done something glorious. Now, ladies, this doesn't mean you have to be a mom. This is not what the scriptures would mandate, that every woman has to be a mom or that everyone has to be married, by the way. Singleness in scripture is a gift. It's a glorious thing. This is another one of those surprise reversals that the narrative of scripture elevates things that people would naturally look at and say, oh, that's that's a deficiency. And it turns them to something precious. But if all you do with your life is raise kids, listen to me very closely. You have spent your life well. You have spent your life well. You have honored God's call on your life. And you have done something of meaning. Now I realize what I just said is radically politically incorrect and socially offensive. But I'd rather be socially, I'd rather be biblical than socially acceptable. Mothers, should it be the will of God in your life? Ladies, should it be the will of God in your life to be a mother? Pursue it with abandon. The second thing is who you are matters. So what you do matters, moms. But who you are matters. Two very interesting passages in scripture. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. So Bathsheba, King David's wife, Solomon's mom went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. John chapter 19, verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The wisest, most magnificent king of all history bowed to his mother in esteem and respect and dignity of her. And the king of kings, Jesus, our Lord, as he is dying on the cross, shows honor to his mom by caring for her. God himself has enshrined the dignity of motherhood in his most sacred text for all eternity. Honor your father and your mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And we learn from 1 Peter chapter 1 that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So forever, the dignity and and honor of moms is preserved and expected This is how the creator has designed things to be. So mamas, you matter. You matter, mamas. You matter. You matter to the king of the world. You matter to the creator of the universe. You are someone significant and important to God. You are a treasure to be praised and loved and esteemed. A quick application. I wrote down in my notes, young people, but this applies to all of us. Let's celebrate Mother's Day. That's a good idea. But honoring our mother is more than showing good manners or proper etiquette. Did you know that honoring your mother is a virtue of godliness? You want to be godly? You obey God's commands. You want to be godly? You do what God would have you do. God says, honor your mother. If you don't honor your mother, you are breaking God's commands. And people who break God's commands are ungodly. Therefore, if you observe God's commands to please him, you are walking in the path of godliness. So young people, old people, middle-aged people, all people, honor your moms. You will grow in godliness in ways you never thought possible by doing that one commandment. By honoring your Moms, because they matter, of because God has made them that way. And then finally, Keith, you can come up, man. When faced with difficulties, moms, there is a God who sees. When faced with difficulties, if the idea of motherhood is a difficulty for you, if it is trying for you, if this is not a good holiday for you, if Mother's Day brings you nothing but pain and sadness... If trouble visits you, there is a God who sees. There's a beautiful story in Genesis chapter 16 about a single mom. A mom that lived a life that must have been somewhat difficult, but she was provided for, she was cared for, she, she, she lived a decent life until motherhood visited her, until she was made a mom by force. We know this woman by the name of Hagar, and it is as a result of motherhood visiting her that her life becomes so unbearable, so unsustainable, so so depressing and sorrowful that she prefers to leave into the wilderness and have her fate sealed by wild animals, by the the, the, the environment be, be, be killed by starvation or dehydration or whatever be stole by, by you know, a band of whatever her plot in life was so hard that she said I'd rather not live anymore and in the midst of her despair in the midst of the most difficult moment of her life she has an encounter with God and she is fundamentally changed because she comes to know that God sees her You are the God who sees. So ladies, moms, wherever you are, whatever this day affords you in pain, in loss, there is a God who sees. There is a God who is desiring for you to come to him and to receive something unique and meaningful. There is a God who wants to remove the burden of pain by impressing on you the care of his presence. So would you come to him? If you are a mom in this room, can we honor you? If you're a mom in this room, would you stand? family members of those precious mommies that just stood would you come around them lay your hands on them and let's pray for one of God's most gracious and beautiful gifts let's pray together oh Lord how great are your ways that with the same hands you would fling stars into the skies That you would create the sweetness and the care of a mom. Father, thank you for what you communicate to us through moms. Thank you for their ministry to us, O Lord. Thank you for their love, their compassion, their steadfastness, O Lord. Their sacrificial ways, Father. Their commitment to their children. Their commitment to their husbands. Their commitment to their home, Father. Their commitment to this church. Father, thank you for what you have done in Lakeview Christian Center as the direct result of moms praying at three in the morning because they can't sleep. Because there's a child that won't go to bed and they haven't slept for weeks, but they're praying, nodding off, but praying, trying to stay awake by praying. Lord, thank you for those faithful prayers of those precious moms in our midst. Father, we ask also for your care, your affection, your presence. Father, the peace that comes through knowing Christ. That balm that the Spirit provides that soothes pain, Lord. There may be moms in this room, Father, who this is not a good day for them, Father. Would you do what you love to do? Would you redeem, O Lord? Would you go about the process of redeeming what has been lost, Father, for your glory and for your purposes? Father, we bring you glory by being reminded that you are the author, that your hands created the heavens and your hands created moms. Be praised and glorified, Oh Lord, this morning we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Happy Mother's Day to all you ladies here and to all you ladies watching through live stream. Y'all have a good day.